Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful, let your hair hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And the series that we're working on for November is called Thankfully Living Your Why. And today's episode is called Don't Adjust Your Set. But before we get to that, hashtag the diversity duo, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris, how the hell are you? I'm Blessed and highly favored. I had to come up with something new this week. <laughs> well, I, started, I listened to the other episodes and I was like, man, I sound like a parrot saying the same <laughs> stuff all the time. So I'm changing it up. I'm awesome. <laughs> How are you, Jack? You know, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm dragging ass, man. I, I have, you know, I have got so many cool things that are happening uh, right now um that i've got to sort through and working through and everything else but i just can't seem to get some decent rest you know i'm losing weight i'm in the gym five days a week like i you know i haven't kicked the cpap machine back on again yet uh just because i had a pretty decent scare with it and uh yeah i've just not been resting well but you know, the bright side to that is, is that I get to spend some time with you week to week talking about cultural diversity. So I guess that's the right. same lining, huh? I know. Yes. And I'm not trying to convert you or anything, you know, as a diversity, but if you're ever open to spooning, that might <laughs> <laughs> I'm my husband would kill me. I'm kidding. And Linda, are you, are you the big spoon or the little spoon? Uh, oh, see, yeah, I could go see. so many. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. I, you know, I actually can't stand that. I am one of those people. As soon as I get into bed, it's like smack. I turn. I'm facing the other way. Give me my space. If they had a, a divider that you could hit a button and it come up in the middle of the bed to separate it, I would definitely have one. Oh, so you're you're the Linda in their relationship. Don't touch me when I'm sleeping because no. she has three quarters of the bed. I have a quarter of the bed. And I'm six foot three, you know, 215, 219 pounds right now. Mm -hmm. So I have next to no room in my bed when I go to sleep at night. You know what's funny? I am horrible when someone messes with me, like, because I take the bed too. And Brian will, like, I'll feel him trying to move me over. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. But when he's doing something, I've never seen this. Serious, this is real. I'll say, honey, honey, he'll go, he wakes up apologizing. Ooh, I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. Right. Who does that? How do you wake Same. up? Nights? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, a little off topic, yeah. but I, I will say this, Jax. Um, something that works for me with my ADHD ass, um, because I can't turn things off at night, but I listen to relaxating music. Um, I, I also um will have like essential oils coming out of that whatever it's called that you know the humidifier sort of yeah thing. that thing because i always say the wrong one it's not a humidifier but you know yeah that thing yeah i don't also, think it's a humidifier yeah i don't i don't know what you call that actually but here's something for your mindset write down 10 things that you are grateful for that happened during that day you know yeah. and just really just really mean it and watch mm. what happens it's it is it's an anointing it's you an know, anointing. i i've heard that multiple times from different sources but i think one of the things for me that is difficult 
Well, number one, I'm stubborn. You know that. You, you're my partner. You work with me on a weekly basis, so you know how stubborn I have I no be. idea what you speak of. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I know that I'm stubborn. It's, it's fine. I, I know that. Um, but with the brain damage that I have, I work really great in like vision and creating and new ideas and stuff like that. But when it comes to the repetition of sitting down with a, a pen and paper or uh, nowadays a text and a phone or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that really gets under my skin. Like, I don't know why it does, but it really just mentally gets under my skin. I don't think I could do 10 things. I might be able to do three things, but really three. I don't want to do anything at all. Is that, that weird? No. Well, that is a red flag. Hello? When you don't mm. want to do anything? No. Yeah. How can you fulfill the four agreements, the fourth one, of always mm. doing your best? How can you fulfill mm. being impeccable with your word, the first one, if you don't want to do anything? Listen, a little bit of something is always going to bode better than a whole lot of nothing. Trust me on that one. So if you can only come up with one, as long as it's a humdinger, as long as it's your truth, because here's why I do it, even if I, and I don't have a specific number, but it gives me permission to turn it off. The machine can be shut down because look what you did today. You were co you co-authored all these wonderful things. Here's, I look for the things that I did that helped something other someone other than myself and i'd start with that list because that's stuff that went out because if i can appreciate what went out i know the importance of getting up tomorrow fresh and ready to prepare what has to go out again but you know tomorrow won't matter if you can't feel great about today hmm. because you got to give you got to acknowledge let me tell you something you hear me say it all the time even if it's a list full of what you consider mistakes, know this, what is greater than us doesn't make mistakes. They're merely, keep, they're merely keeping our journeys interesting. No, I mean, I, you know, you know, I love your, I love your passion and, and I love a lot of, you know, what you talk about. Um, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to ponder on that. I think I'm going to ponder on the oh, idea God. of, you know, if you can't do 10, do two. If you can't do, one. do two, do one. If you're going to do one, make sure, you know, it's a humdinger. Like, I really like that. I, I hadn't thought about it that way because another thing about me is I'm very anal about things, like almost to the point of compulsion at times, which I think is a good thing in the entertainment industry because you're always, you know, making sure you're crossing every T, dotting every I, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I was that way with the gym too. One of the biggest excuses I was affording myself when going to the gym was, oh, I did, I missed Tuesday. Therefore I missed the whole entire workout routine for the week sort of thing. And, uh, and of course I changed the way that I eat. And now that I've changed the way that I eat, the reason that I'm motivated to go to the gym is because like, I'm like, if I'm going through this much sacrifice, I'm taking my ass to the gym. Like I'm not missing the gym. So I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe some of the viewers identify or the listeners identify with me. I don't know. Well, of course people do, whether they admit it or not. I do, but I also know how I got out of that. I'll tell you, like when you said, oh, if I, if I don't do everything perfectly, I just ruined the whole day. That's not true. That's where yeah. you, that's the lens you chose. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And when you're yeah, talking about no. finding it hard to put something down you're grateful for, look at the roof over your head. Somebody's house, the roof fell in. Somewhere in the world, they got buckets uh, all around and it's raining. Um, you know, the furnace went out. The water pipes burst. Take your pick. Yeah. Take your pick. You know, you have children. You didn't get a call. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's something to be said about recognition of things. I, I more so was looking at it through the lens of like my accomplishments for the day. I like the idea that you're talking about. I can easily feel uh, compelled and think about things for other people. 
right? I'm the hardest on myself, you know? Um, and I and I also think there's a difference between looking at what the the gratitude or the accomplishment for the day was versus like taking things for granted too. Because I, I don't necessarily I don't take things for granted, but I think there is something to explore in that that recognition of value. I, I think there's something well, there. It, you're right. And again, as with most things, it boils down to choice. See, a lot of people, you've heard me say it before, confuse decision and choice. They think it's the same thing. No, decision drives choice. Mm. You know, if you have a fork in the road, it's left or right. Well, you have to decide, is it left or right? And so that decision drove the choice mm. to the left or to the right. But yeah. some people won't decide and they don't choose either. Interesting. Nothing. They just stay right there. So they've done nothing. Make a little, make a little shop and yeah. sell and their wares like, as people cross along different paths. Yeah, I agree. So that's a good turning point in today's episode. It is. Decision, right? And interestingly enough, first of all, how do you feel yourself personally being as honest as you can about judging people based off of their looks? Do you think it happens? Yeah, it happens. I catch myself all the time. I used to be really bad at it, but you know how I knew I was bad at it? Because I always said I hated it and everybody else. And the thing you point your finger to other people about, the, I can't stand when people do that. Well, there's three fingers pointing back at yourself. So once I finally figured that out, I realized I'm just as bad. You know, I just didn't see the lane that I was being judgmental in as bad as that person's. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, quantifying the the exactly. difference between your judgment versus someone else's judgment, right. which is judging right. in and of itself. When it's yeah. judging in and of itself, exactly. Yeah, so I, I looked at psychologytoday.com, and it says, key points, uh, people often use facial appearances to judge other personality traits. A new paper finds people are more likely to rely on appearance when judging traits related to social ability and judgments passed on appearances are usually incorrect and can lead to biased decisions. What do you think about that, Doc? Well, you know, being gay, of course I know that's the truth. Mm, right. Talk about that a little bit, yeah. Well, you know, it takes me back to 1983 that day at Gay Pride at the beer tent where I got smart with that lesbian because she looked like a little Allie McBeal and she nearly knocked my nose off. Mm. I'm kidding. I made that up. No, but what I'm saying is, see, a lot of people, well, in the, <laughs> I'd have still been in jail. <laughs> but a lot of people, like in our community, we'll see, you know, I'll see a, a lesbian couple and we are like, mm. you can tell that's the man. You know, and then we get pissed off. Brian and I get mad when people ask us <laughs> flat out, oh, which one of y'all is the husband? And Brian gets pissed off because what kind of question is that? I get pissed off like, ain't it obvious? <laughs> How you gonna ask that? But what I mean is it's all kinds of different things. I'm excited about this with our guest today because we had, I remember when that, that same issue, which I'm not going to let the cat out, that our guest deals with, uh, happened in this house. Oh, wow. Um, not me. Oh, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to, to talk about, to have that, um, comparison. Uh, yeah. So ditch the label.org is giving you some ideas of the ways that you can start to, uh, stop shaming other people's looks. Nice. Okay? They're calling it seven hacks. So I thought some of these were pretty interesting. Um, first of all, it says recognize comparison, which is what you were talking about. You know, if you catch yourself 
comparing someone to someone else or comparing to you, right? The first thing that you need to do is to recognize that so you can break that habit, right? You know, apparently when you understand and the, the recognize the comparison, it kind of helps to disable that thought process. Um, this was another one that I thought was cool. Practice giving others compliments. If yeah. you're walking down the street, you see somebody that you don't like the way they look, find something about them to pay them a compliment. So in your mind, those practices start to create, right? This whole different attitude. Yes. Um, and then, you know, there's seven of them, which is, you know, cool. But the other one that I wanted to get to was practice giving yourself a compliment. This is where I fail the most is complimenting myself. And the reality of it is, according to, you know, the article, when you pay yourself a compliment and genuinely mean it, you start to bring, bring the best of the best of what you see to the top. So if you see that in yourself, then you will automatically start to see that in others. Anything before we go to break? Well, I will say this. Um, I love what you what uh, the point about comparison, because it takes us to common ground. See, if we look for things that were similar, instead of always digging and pointing for things that make us different, I think it'd be a much easier journey for all. But we'll get into that when we return with our great guest today. Looking forward to this one. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jacks. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris, and yep. this series is called Thankfully Living Your Why. And today's episode is called Don't Adjust Your Set. Now, you got a little ditty for our guests before we get them in oh. here, Doc? You're talking about switching stuff up because that was another thing I heard. Every time you say that every week, I go into this whole little thing about da 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 da. Yeah, I need a soft shoe routine. I think it's good. I do. Well, I do have. Now, I do want to say this about our guest. He's very modest. Because I know there's a lot more that's not in here, but we're going to let him, he can tell us better than I can read it to you. So uh, our guest today is Marcus Lucas II. He's a native of Nashville, Tennessee. Did I sound country? Yes. It was, it was oh, a little you. over country. Yeah. <laughs> that's exaggerated. Why do we do that? Okay. Nashville, Tennessee. His love for the arts started at a young age when he would perform at his grandmother's church in Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, Huntsville, Oakwood University. Sorry. I have a special place in my heart for Huntsville, as well as he would write skits for his cousins to perform. And he's performed all over the country, in Mexico, in both secular as well as Christian products. Now, he is a former overseer of an inmate performing arts group, interesting, in Rutherford County, Tennessee. And over the years, Marcus has added various skills to his love of the arts, including directing, coaching, special effects makeup, stage combat, oh, he can fight. <laughs> recruiting and set design. Now he's been involved in seven films, has worked with a number of well-known entertainers. Is that my cousin Mark is here today? I want to meet some of those entertainers. And he's also played various roles in the production of music videos in Nashville, Tennessee. So, hey, welcome, Marcus. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, good morning. Hey, Mark. Boom. What's, what's going on, big man? How you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. Just another day here in Tennessee. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, what I where I'd like to dive in first because I didn't want to pronounce the autoimmune disease that you deal with because I didn't want to butcher it. So, just briefly for uh, all our listeners out there. I want you to talk to them a little bit about what the autoimmune disease is that you deal with. And since we're an audio podcast, mm -hmm. sort of give them a visual uh, depiction in your, you know, in your own uh, words of 
of what they would see and, and all those different kinds of things. Okay. So I have what's called vitiligo. Um, it is basically my physical appearance is if you've ever seen some camouflage before, some army camouflage and the various shades of green, that's what my skin is like. It's various shades of color. I am literally white in some areas where there's no pigmentation at all, lighter shades of brown, and then darker shades of brown. Um, and where the more pigmented areas are, you know, when the sun hits them, the sunlight, they change colors, they get darker. Um, unlike camouflage material, you know, the print is the print. Um, mine can change. So what was white this year could be brown next year and huh. vice versa. Um, it comes and goes as it pleases. So, um, yeah, but I normally don't tell people that I have vitiligo up front. Um, so this is different. Normally I tell people that I'm biracial and I have a skin condition where the colors didn't mix <laughs> and they believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's a good icebreaker, right? Uh, so, so let's talk about when this happened and ironically, what can cause this to happen because I was blown away at finding out from you personally what can transition this to happen with people. Um, and I, I didn't want to give, you know, the big biggie away. So talk about when this started to happen to you and, and how it can happen. Yes. So I was not born with this skin condition. Um, I was born completely brown and red um, just because like that that's my skin color is brown with a red undertone um and i was 20 no i had just turned 21 just turned 21 um and i was dating this girl that was shorter than me so i was telling everybody she looked up to me literally and um <laughs> she looked at my neck and she was like what's that on your neck i was like what are you talking about she said that pink stuff i had just never noticed it and so I went to the bathroom, lifted my head up, and I could see where she could see. So I thought that was really strange. And uh, I was like, wow, that's my skin. What's going on? So I went to a dermatologist. Uh, he gave me an opinion. He said, you need to get a second opinion. I went to another dermatologist, and they said, you have vitiligo. And I was like, well, what is that? <clears throat> and um, they said, it sounds kind of scary on the onset, doesn't it? Right. You know, like, it's like, oh, my God. Like, Right. And it's just the same thing that Michael Jackson has. Now, fortunately, there was a, um, a guy at my school that he had it as well. Um, and before there were models with vitiligo, he looked like a model. Like, he was in really good shape, nice looking guy. Um, I always had ladies, despite the fact that he had vitiligo, um, and he was Latino, which that, that will play into a role. I'll tell you about that later on, why that's important, um, as well. Um, so I still did not know at that time what caused it. It was about two years later, about two, almost two and a half, three years later, um, <clears throat> that I ran into this pharmacist that um, he stopped me and he said, hey, I don't mean to be rude. He said, but I noticed your skin. He said, just want to let you know that I have it too. He pulled his shirt down a little bit so I could see where it was on his chest. And he was white, so obviously it didn't show up as much on him. And uh, he said that he developed it at the age of 17 after his father passed away. He said the stress of losing his father is what on, you know, brought it on. And all of a sudden, in that one moment, everything made sense. So I told you that I had just turned 21. But about two months prior to me turning 21, my childhood best friend had just passed away in a car accident. And I tell people all the time, you know, like when you don't deal with your issues, your issues will deal with you. And so attending a private Christian college, uh, people say, hey, how are you doing? And just like, oh, I'm great. God bless you, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you give the whole Christian response, but you're really going through your own personal hell. That sometimes you wear masks so much for that um, 
even you are hiding your issues from yourself, not just everybody else, but from yourself too. So that's what I was doing. And they came out in another form. Wow, I'm gonna butt in. I was just sitting there, I'm stuck. And I'm, I'm thinking because, okay, I'm African-American, you're African-American. And I grew up, one of my brothers in my birth, my uh, adoptive family, his mother-in-law had it. She wore gloves and put on all this makeup to cover up and they lived in Huntsville, ironically enough. And um, that was the first time I saw her. I remember I was little, like mm. five or six, and I was very afraid of her. So I want to ask you, like, um, because it's just like a person we had, you know, on someone that had um, an, a, a missing limb. One and we were talking about what, yeah, children. What about when children come up? Because I have little Caucasian kids who clearly have never been that close to a black guy before because they've come up and rubbed me. And now a little boy turned around to his mom and said, Mommy, he won't come off. Right. Uh, talking about my skin, the color. So what's that like? And do you use it as a way to educate? Oh, absolutely. So I am a former full-time school teacher. I have taught everything from kindergarten all the way to college. And I currently still coach um, two times a week. I tell, well, I coach on Tuesdays, gymnastics. I'm a former gymnast. And then on Thursdays, I teach art, same group of kids. Um, and so I'm accustomed to that. Um, but <laughs> very few kids are actually scared. More kids are intrigued and will say what adults want to say but have a hard what what age what age group are we talking about here marcus just for our, our listeners i mean my for me and my experience it's been from little kids all the way to high schoolers they all want to know now high schoolers and middle schoolers will not come up and touch my face but i've seen kids break away from their parents in a store i mean little kids like elementary age kids break away from their parents to come touch my face or come ask a question or say, mommy, look at that guy or whatever. They ask, you know, they want to know. Uh, but what I normally tell kids is that I'm like a chameleon and that I can change colors. <laughs> and they're oh. like, what? So they, that's the easiest way to explain it. And so they think it's cool. The only problem is when they start asking you to change colors on the spot. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I can't do that. I love, like, I love kids, man. It's so good. So, and then some kids and some adults, this is, well, for different reasons. Some kids actually want to make their skin look like mine because they think it looks cool. And uh, I've had some adults, <laughs> it's a little bit stranger with the adults. It's like adults who really, really, really like attention that they notice the tension that I get, they would rather have people looking at them for any reason, they don't care. And so they have publicly said, I wish I looked like that. I wish I was that different, that unique, that out of the box. Well, they just want attention that bad. And the craziest thing that happened was, um, I had a, a guy, he was a black guy, and um, he was very dark complected. And he was not comfortable with being dark skinned and he wanted my skin disease so that he could be white, at least somewhere on his body. Wow. Hey, Marcus, curious <laughs> because I kind of alluded, uh, okay. I said my, my brother's mother-in-law, right. Hadn't really encountered it that I know of all those years, like 40 some years. Right. And then mm -hmm. my husband, like four years ago, a little spot. And we were like, oh, we just came from Mexico. That's just, you tan bad. And he was like, and he two weeks later, look, that spot got bigger. And da, 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 da. And he goes, I'm going to go to the doctor. And I, and I had been making fun because I said, ooh, you got the Michael Jackson disease. I was like, you know, and then every time, every time he'd be, does it look bigger? I'd say, no, let just get out of here, beat it. You know, I had to have a Michael Jackson song. <laughs> and he came home. Yeah, he came home from the doctor in tears. He was like, I got a Michael Jackson disease. And, but there were so many things we did not know. 
we thought he was going to be covered from head to toe within a year or this and the other. And the only time you can tell he has it now is if he tans, which he wasn't a big tanner anyway. You know, his skin moisturized, do all that stuff. But I didn't know. I only thought people of color got this because you really can't tell and some people have it in spots in their body you don't see so let me ask you how do you know is this prone to one um you know um type of person like caucasian or african-american over the other or is it just whomever it can it can happen to, it can happen to any group but the reason why i brought up the uh the, the guy that in college that i saw was uh, latino is because Okay, let me give you a little history lesson, and then I'm going to tie it all in. So, <clears throat> from the top of uh, North America, Alaska, all the way through Canada, the United States, um, Central America, South America, all of that, it was all native land. Okay? Mexican people look the way they do because the Spaniards, who are white mixed with them and then brought the slaves and added the slave blood as well, the black, the African blood as well. So they come out different ways. And then you have Afro-Latinos. And then you have in Alaska and, and the United States, you have other Native American people. <clears throat> and every Latin family that I come across, um, <clears throat> they always talk about their cousin, their aunt, their uncle, or whoever that has vitiligo. The thing that is in common, I'm a black Indian. So the thing that we all have in common, whether we are Hispanic, whether we are full blood Native American, whether we are black Indians, whether we are uh, um, Afro, I'm sorry, Caribbean Indians, the thing that we all have in common is that Indian blood. I've never been able to prove it. I don't know how, but when you look at a lot of the people that have it, though anybody in the world can have it, Asians, whites, the more common, you see a lot of people that have that native blood. Um, so no matter whether you're born on this side of the pond or the other side of the pond, and uh, I'm, I'm black Cherokee, our people originally come from the country of Panama. So we're still indigenous blood and it's all there. So I haven't been able to prove anything, but I'm just noticing that there is a, a common factor between indigenous people or people of indigenous blood and the disease. And it would be interesting just to see if there's any research that's been done. And I do know that in Cuba, they have cures. Anyone else in your family? No. Past or anything? No, nope. and that's the interesting thing about my family. We we go by Black Indian, but we're really everything but Asian. There's a lot of stuff in there, and and all of us take from different sides of the family. You look at our genotypes, our physical types, and see which side we took after, yeah. and then you look at our diseases, and our diseases a lot of times will line up with whatever side of the family we took from. So it's just it's really it's really crazy. We're going to go to break, um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about more of Marcus's path of, of dealing with vitiligo and also some of the amazing things that has happened because thankfully for him living his why. We'll be back right after this. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And this month's series is amazing. It's called Thankfully Living Your Why. And our episode today is called Don't Adjust Your Set. And we've been talking with Marcus Lucas. Now, as we were rolling out of the break, we were getting into some of the DNA genealogical type things that may be connected 
uh, to Vitilago. I'm probably going to mispronounce it. Um, I'll blame it on my brain damage. But Marcus, one of the places um, I'd like to tip off with you is let's talk about the dark side of what you went through because you didn't just get Vitilago and be like, yay, high five for me. I got it, right? Because your whole business for the most part throughout your life has been centered on being in the arts, either in front of or behind the scenes. And as Doc and I were talking about at the top of the hour, you know, uh, we inadvertently judge people by looks without even realizing it. And then coming to the epiphany that not only that, we look at personality traits and create bias from that. First, I'd like to talk about the internal piece of dark moments that you had to overcome. And then I'd like to talk about the external piece of either what you've had to deal with or that you deal with currently from the way that you look of the perceptions that people may have just based off of your looks. So what are some of the dark things, you know, that you really had to overcome in the onset of finding out about this at 21? Sure. So I went into a depression for three days. I do remember that very, very, very well um, because I'm a performer. Everything I did was performance. I sang in choirs. I acting was my main thing. Um, I did modeling everything that's out in front of people, everything in which looks play a role, except for maybe singing. But if you want to be a singer, singer, even then that, you know, plays a role as well. So I didn't know what I was going to do because I was such a performer um, that I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was like, okay, if we're going to reinvent ourselves, like, you know, how do we do that? What do we do? And I couldn't think of anything that I could do or that I wanted to do or that I was good at. I didn't know how to reinvent myself. So I decided to um, stick it out and um, to just go ahead and continue acting. Mind you, this also happened at the same time that I was traveling as an actor. Um, So I was just like, you know what? Before you get too far down that rabbit trail, let's really focus on the depression. Like, yeah. You know, were, were you hating yourself? Was there was there suicidal thoughts, ideations involved? Like, were you just like, what what was it about this experience that drove you into that depression? Because I, I really want the main thing is, is I want people out there listening that may pass judgment on people by their looks and miss out on these experiences with extraordinary individuals like you, what they're really missing out on and what they're putting people like you through on the onset. Right. At that time, at that time, I I didn't have, mind you, the spot was not that big at that time. The depression was more internal. There was not a lot of external judgment at that time, because like he said, like uh, Dr. Lauren was talking about, you know, um, his partner, his husband, the piece was just so small and then it spreads. That's how mine was at that time. I was more so depressed about the fact of my whole future, everything that I had worked for, planned for at that moment, was pretty much, in my mind, gone. So imagine being 21 years old and hitting what most men don't hit until their 40s and 50s as far as a life of regret or I should have done this or I should have done that, that midlife crisis. I'm not even at midlife and I'm already in the middle of the crisis. Um yeah, you're just getting off the tarmac. Like, you're just getting out of the starting gate. Yep, yep, yep. Hadn't even finished school yet. So um, that's what had me so jacked up in my mind, um, so crazy in my mind. Now, I know where you're going, so let me fast forward to when my skin was more, like, pronounced as far as, like, the white spots and what that's like being an actor because – I could have, and I did for a little while, it was more so dating than it was acting, that really kind of brought on the um, the more depression or whatever. Um, uh, because in the, but with the acting though, when you knew that you didn't get a role, not because you weren't good enough, uh, you, could, you could be everything that they asked for, send in a reel of you already doing it, um, kicking tail at the way that you did it, and all of a sudden you don't get uh, even looked at or recognized uh, because you know that your skin condition. And I have even several times offered, because I'm a special effects makeup artist, so I said I can't make myself even. 
I can make my skin. But people don't want to look bad. So they don't want to ask you to do that. Can you cover that up, please? Right, 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 right. Now, I did have it happen at a church. I had gotten picked for a role. Um, they hired me for that role. And then the day of the first show, they sent me a makeup artist. And I think I'm just getting powdered up. And they never told me. They told her, the makeup artist, not the directors, none of them. They're like... <clears throat> my skin was going to be a distraction. And so they put makeup on me. The thing was they didn't even match the makeup up. So I looked worse to me than I did before the makeup was put on. So they, it was about, they were, it was a white church. So to them, black makeup is black makeup. Brown is brown. So they got this dark skin, brown makeup to cover up my white spots. So it was almost like painting an uneven beard yeah. on somebody. And then around the eyes, I looked a hot mess, but I went through it. I just, it was crazy that they didn't tell me ahead of time. I could have at least gotten makeup that matched. Yeah. Yeah. So doc, I, I want to get, uh, you know, for the sake of time, I want to get, I want to get you in on a question that you may have. So I um, thank you for answering the question in regards to like, the depression and and stuff like that but uh, doc i want i want to get you yeah. in here too because you always have one. a different approach i do i have one about how what song do you sing in your head to remind you you love jesus when some stupid shit happens because i have a friend who well it's like this until until we had it here we didn't realize all of a sudden it was like if you have a white car I mean, you buy a new car and it's a red car. All of a sudden you start seeing all the red cars. So all of a sudden we started seeing everywhere we went. We would notice it on a pinky. Oh, look on her leg. Look, honey, she's got it. This and the other. And so we realized, well, how can this be that it's everywhere? Really? And we don't, we didn't notice it until it was right here with us. But my question is, because I have a, a, a kid who told me, a young lady, she's a senior in high school, black girl. She said, the worst thing that ever happened to her was she was shopping and the woman in the store came up and said, would you mind not trying anything on? That looks catchy. And I was like, how much time did they give you for whooping her ass? That's what, that's what I wanted to ask. And she said it broke her heart. And as a matter of fact, she had to go to therapy just to shop. She started buying everything online, this and the other. So I want to say like, when you see that, could that attitude is that one of the reasons why suddenly we seem to be able to just accept it? It's everywhere. The models, I was looking at um, famous, how do they say it? Vitalagians or, well, how, why do you say it? Yeah, okay. And there's like, you know, that, what's that? Um, Winnie Harlow, the model. She's a top model. Now she chooses not to cover it at all. You had people like Michael Jackson um, who chose to cover it. Um, Lee Thomas, four-time Emmy Award nominee, covers it, so on and so on. So what is it that makes a person with this condition choose to cover or not cover? I think that it depends on your, um, first off, if I had a choice to either go all white or be all brown, I like my brown skin. Mm -hmm. So. I was trying to hold on to what I could. Um, and then I learned too that if you de-stress, it brings the pigment back. So if you look at pictures of me previously, half my face was, almost all my face was white. Now, almost all my face is brown. So I learned how to vacation. I learned how to go on hikes, walk around waterfalls, de-stress, be intentional about de-stressing. Um, and that brought back a lot of the skin color. Wow. Uh, or what do I say? I remember a friend of mine in high school, he was voted best looking guy. He was a, a grade or two higher than me, but his senior year, he was voted best looking guy. And um, he went to this modeling audition and they told him that <laughs> he basically didn't look good enough because he had a scar above his eyebrow, which I was like, where? I've never seen this scar. So he had to point it out to me for me to be able to find and see this scar. And I told him in that moment, this is when we were in high school, so I don't have it like oh yet. I told him, I was like, Matt, 
if that company is not professional enough to put makeup over that, they're not professional enough to work with, period. Mm. So that was my attitude then. I've had to since then <laughs> preach to myself those same words. Um, I've got um, a movie called Ghosted coming out next year that I have no speaking role in, but out of about 800 um, extras or so, only based off of a picture, not based off of audition or anything. I got selected to be in the same scene with Chris Evans, AKA Captain America. And they made sure. Name dropper. <laughs> and that I was not going to quit in the middle of the production, that I was going to be there every single night because they were like, you are for sure to get camera time. Now I'm here with this big production that has makeup people for everybody, hair people for everybody, food services. It's a Hollywood production. And yet right. when my auditions for, for people that nobody knows who the hell they are, right? they can sometimes have the most attitude. And I just have to remind myself, like Marcus, like you were selected and chosen. What God has for you is for you, which somebody from Hollywood, um, Omar Gooding, <clears throat> um, he told me that Cuba Gooding Jr.'s, Omar Gooding's brother, he said that one time in an interview that I got to sit with him through, he was being interviewed, I was just in the room. And um, he was like, you know, you just have to remember that what God has for you is for you and that's not for anybody else. And that's just the attitude that I had to take and keep. But as with anything else, <laughs> the more people that are higher up see how, I'm sorry, the more the people that are nobodies or no, no names, people that don't know you, the more they see that people who are higher up accept you, then they start coming back around, wanting you to be a part of their projects or whatever it is that they're doing, or, hey, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, some of these same people that had an opinion are going to be the same ones coming back around because they're going to pull my name up in their files and their emails. I'm like, Marcus, could you do this and do that? So that's the way that I try to maintain and keep a good attitude that and i get invited quite a bit to go do public speaking events in which i talk about my skin condition but i also related to special effects makeup and um i create a fake wound and i talk about um about how like if you don't deal with your wounds and your issues how they deal with you and then i tie it into my whole testimony mm. well it literally it literally translates for you the yeah. more stressed out you get the more whatever's going on on the inside comes to the outside, so to speak, you know? So, so it's very interesting, uh, the barometer or the compass, if you will, in your life that you live, because you can literally see your stress reflecting back at you, you know, on a daily basis, which I think is a, blessing. a phenomenal gift for all of us yeah. to be able to take a look at. Man. I, I was sitting here thinking, you're so lucky because, I mean, you know, for instance, take the person with high blood pressure, it, the silent 100% have no idea that stress is doing it till they hit the cold pavement. You know, at least you have a barometer, so to speak. So there is a blessing within it. Well, within yeah. everything, if we want it. Yeah. I, can I ask him one last question? Oh, yeah, and then we're yeah. This would be yeah. yep. We're borrowing time. I get it. Um, so, Marcus, if you could say point to one thing that you have learned about yourself that there's no way you could have ever known if it weren't for this opportunity with this disease, what would it be? Beautiful. Um, I would say the, the the blessing, the thing that I've learned the most is how to press on, how to continue, how to go on um definitely a level of strength that you know i didn't know that i have would not have known that i had mm. uh, i i talk i talk crazy to a lot of my friends who have low self-esteem because i but are beautiful people i'm like you can hide yours you can walk into a room and you can just be beautiful and gorgeous and people just audit that's all they see i said <clears throat> So when you tell me that you can't do something or that you don't know how to do something or that there's a roadblock, I don't understand that because I wake up every day having to go into places where people don't know who I am and having to be 
smile at people and be friendly and be nice because my stuff is is physical. I said, and I have to choose daily not to allow what I even think other people may think of me um, to to be a roadblock. Um, mm. So so uh, it definitely teaches you how to be how to be strong. Um, I know how to work a room. <laughs> I know how to really work a room. Um, yeah. really, really work a room. He, he's a, uh, I mean, uh, I love this guy. We, we've known each other for years. Um, anytime that I, you know, got to pick up the phone, uh, I, I can count on him. The list goes on and on and on. Um, unfortunately, folks, as always, we're out of time. Um, we want to thank Marcus Lucas so much for being here. It, it's been amazing. Um, I actually think that we may need to have you back on the show. Uh, this has just been great. But we'll be back right after these messages with Doc and I's final thoughts. Thank you. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the Heartbeat and Relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels-Harris. And our episode today was called Don't Adjust Your Set in our series of Thankfully Living Your Why. Doc, I am just, uh, <laughs> week after week, I find myself being more and more speechless. What, what, how do you want to open up these final thoughts? Because I, I don't really have a tipping point, to be honest. Well, I want to talk about how cool his name is. Did you know he has both his first and last name have an A, a C, a U, and an S in both? So he only has three letters that are different. The M, the R, and the L. That's my ADHD. Working it's amazing together. that you find this shit. It's like I'm I'm on the podcast with Rain Man, you know, 346 toothpicks in a box. 346 toothpicks, yeah. No, because, right, right. Well, because his name is Marcus Lucas. Marcus Lucas. Yeah. Like, Why yeah. does it feel so good? Right? But on a, on a, on a more serious note, um, what I find from these guests and it's just that there's always an E and an R available to all of us, no matter what we're dealing with, where we can, you, you find out that, well, like he said, I did not know that I was strong until I had to become stronger. You know, I didn't know I could be so nice until I had to become nicer. That E and that R is something else, you know, and it always can only work when you push it up against what you already have. Gratitude, finding, you know, and acknowledging those things we already have. So I, I love this because it makes me say, you know what, I better not even toot my lips to complain about, you know, anything this little sunspot you know or i got this thing right here see it jags on my hand i burned it on the furnace like six months ago now years ago that would have healed him i'd have been back to my cocoa brown self but now i'm like now i look like i got vitiligo because i can't say it so right and <laughs> right like exactly. now that he's here i'll never say that again because i'm like yeah. nope that's just a little scar but you know what Last thing I got to say, well, for now, is this. What I really learned from stories like these is that if you can feel that great about the outside, imagine how great he can feel or we can feel about the inside. You know, because that is a real story right there. He can change well, it. He can that, watch that's, it happen. That's a, that's a fact. Like when you brought up the high blood pressure and you brought up, you know, stress is the number one killer for men out there. Mm -hmm. You know, heart disease um, is, is a big one for us for some reason. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, Marcus on a daily basis is, is wearing that stress barometer, you know. Yes. Uh, it, it's amazing the, you know, the evolutions that I've seen his skin go through with him getting a better grip on his, uh, his stress and his quality of life. And I think that that's something that really hit hard for me when I found out about vitiligo and, um, I understood the, the stress component and how it can come and go and stuff like that. 
I truly believe that somehow, some way, his body knew that it was about to break. And in order to grab his attention and to say, hey, listen up, you know what I'm saying? How can I get your attention? Well, you're in the entertainment industry, you're in the arts industry, you're in the looks business, for lack of a better phrase, right? That's how I'm going to get your attention. That's how I'm going to keep you from having a heart attack or a stroke or, or whatever else. And I think when, you, when that paradigm shifts and it goes from vanity to life support, so to speak, I, I think we all pay a lot more closer attention to things. I agree. I'll tell you something else I'm hoping for. When I see how the world is opened up and, you know, it's, no, we're not so shaken when we see people with this condition now. I hope that the day comes where, you know, when you see a person with cerebral palsy, you see a person with muscular dystrophy or whatever other difference they may be dealing with that they too could be a supermodel just like mm. the girl with this condition they too could be a rapper or um whatever they want to do if they're able to do it you know and not everything i just believe just like mental health issues that everything that we have has the potential to be our own superpower if well i, we I, I mean I think it is like, I think there's no question about it. I mean, you and I have been very blessed in our lives to walk and wear lots of shoes like Forrest Gump would say. But the reality of it is, is that in every single instance of every single story that I have seen where someone has been successful, where someone has found triumph, where someone has found an epiphany, a life change, whatever you want to call it, it was staring that trauma of that moment in the face and saying simply, I, I won't be defeated. This right. won't get me down. Like he didn't really like dig in with the depression and stuff like that, the, the way that I was hoping. But what you could hear him say between the lines was that it was sink or swim. It was feast or famine. I either figure this the fuck out and and drive on or it's over. And well, that's just it. Well, I get why he didn't uh, yeah. you know, dig deep into the... There's no lack of those holes. We can find those holes and have a perfect complexion of depression mm. and this and the other. We can find those holes and have a bank account with a bunch of zeros. Very well but said. when you can point to something that other people don't understand and say, well, if you want to, just ask me. That's a big person. Some yeah. people never get there and they don't have a thing wrong with them. Why, why don't they get there, Doc? What, what do you think it is? You know, that, that is part George. of the investigation that continues for us. But I'd love to know your thoughts. Joyce. You know, that's why, because like I said, I don't believe that anything is a mistake. I don't believe God makes mistakes. I know that God keeps it interesting. You see, everything that I ever thought I could never forgive, everything that ever hurt me, cursed me, abused me, uh, wanted all manner of evil against me. Well, first of all, I keep those promises true. And I keep them close. The ones that tell me that no weapon formed against me, where two or more come together on and on. And I, and I can forgive all those things. Why? How bad could they have been, Jax? Each of them led me to you. No, I, you know, I think it's beautiful. I, I think the one caveat that I would throw in there though, and this is just the, you know, the philosophy major in college coming out in me is more so I love that, everyone can see the beacon of the way that you speak of, of God and your perspective and your light and greater than and, and all of those kinds of things. But I would also like to speak to, you know, the people that don't necessarily subscribe, you know, the agnostics, the atheists, all those different kinds of things. I mean, if you listen to Ricky Gervais, you know, who's a, a devout 
uh, atheist in the way that he thinks, in the way that he shapes himself, in the way that he presents himself, there's still some of that, that those elements, the same elements that you possess are the same elements that he possesses. So I like to speak to the audience to say, if you don't necessarily have any spiritual direction in your life or, or religious direction in your life, that doesn't mean that you're just on the outs, right? It doesn't mean that you get a pass either. You still have a responsibility to yourself to like make those key choices that Doc's talking about. Because the only way that you know what is going to be is when you see it manifest, right? You got to believe it to achieve it, for lack of a better phrase. Doc, final thoughts? Uh, well, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for people that I run into on a day-to-day basis that are comfortable within their own truths. Because you know why that's so important? Because truth is the only thing in the universe that will never change. And it will never change on us. Beautiful. My final thoughts are this, folks. Uh, It's going to sound a little cliche, but it can't be any more true. Um, When you judge a book by its cover, you really don't get an opportunity to see how the chapters of that book could have influenced or changed your life for the better. And if you're constantly judging yourself, well, you can see what can happen when stress continues to overwhelm you. So you always have a choice and that choice is always yours. Until next time, I'm Cowboy Jacks with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. We'll see you on the next episode of License for Love, the heartbeat in relationship conversation. Bye-bye. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris, the heartbeat in relationship conversation.